Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, and uh, beginning in verse 40. Hear now God's word. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in the desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. A sense of reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much that you are a loving Heavenly Father. We know, God, that as we come this morning, we do not have to beg you, Lord, to speak to us. We do not have to implore you as if your character was other than to pour out your love and your grace upon your people. Uh, Lord, to, to, to give understanding and wisdom to those who do not know you, that they might come to faith in you. We pray, God, for your mighty work and power uh, through your word this morning in our lives, for your glory and for your praise. Oh, Lord, God, God cause us to love you more this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's sort of nice uh, that some of the COVID restrictions are now being lessened a little bit. We're not uh, so bound by wearing masks and all the social distancing. It's, it's nice to have less regulations regarding gatherings and, and stuff like that. But I was sort of thinking about that this week. You know, just think back a year ago today, May 23rd, 2020. Now, maybe not that exact date, but just sort of that time period. You remember that uh, coronavirus was sort of a household word all of a sudden, right? And then we sort of shortened it to COVID-19 and then eventually to COVID. And, but that's been on our tongues a lot recently. Do you remember back uh, a year ago when you were getting on the internet every day to check the numbers to see how many cases were in our county or how many deaths there were because of, of COVID? You, you probably recall how uh, people all of a sudden took a big interest in washing their hands. And remember, we were teaching our kids a little song so they could wash their hands long enough and masks became a part of our wardrobe and social distancing became a part of our vocabulary. Not only that, but people stayed home from work and school. Uh, all of a sudden we became experts in all this technology with online stuff as we tried to continue on with some semblance of normality with our lives and yet be socially apart. Um, if you went to the grocery store, which not a lot of people did, but if you went to the grocery store, there were sort of limiting accessibility to be able to get in, maybe only so many people could go into the store at once. And as I said, a lot of people didn't go to the stores. And they decided to order things online, but they found that to do in-store pickup went from taking hours to get your order to days sometimes to, to get your food. And then even when you did get your food, you ended up buying things that you didn't typically buy, maybe name brands you didn't buy, because that's all they had. The shelves just weren't quite as stocked as what we were used to. And then of course, there was the toilet paper, right? The toilet paper, the hand sanitizer, the Clorox wipes, things like that. You would have swore that they were worth the same as gold, right? Because people were hoarding it and, and uh, you know, stocking all that up uh, in themselves. And then, remember how lonely you were. You remember that? I remember as a pastor calling people and just checking on them to see how they were doing. And even the introverts at Kirk of the Plains were saying, I'm ready to talk to somebody. This is driving me nuts. I'm tired of all this online stuff. I wish we could, you know, spend some time together. Of course, this time, 
you know, we had been apart for a number of months and just been worshiping through online stuff. We were talking about having our first worship service again and, and how exciting that was. And I remember when Robbie and I decided around Easter time to make Easter baskets and bring it to each one of the families in the church. We drove to every person's house. And of course, we came decked out in all the gloves and the mask and the whole garb, you know, you would have thought we were coming to a radioactive site or something like that. And we put the basket on your doorstep and we rang the doorbell. We ran back real fast to get away from you because we had to be so far apart. And to see your faces when you saw us and you seemed so excited, uh, or you pretend to at least, you know. Uh, but we were excited to see you, I can tell you that. That was genuine. And it was so exciting to see you and to see you laugh when you saw the roll of toilet paper in the basket. That was really cool too. But anyway, you know, it just was neat to see each other because it had been so long since we had had that time. And do you remember in those days thinking, I just can't wait till things begin to get back to normal. Well, you know, not everyone though did things get back to normal. You know, there were people who didn't survive 2020. There were people who went into the hospital it, it might have been for COVID, but regardless, if it was for some other ailment, maybe a, a heart attack or a stroke or some other serious illness, uh, they found themselves in the hospital all alone. Uh, we had great medical personnel and they did their best to care and to love people, but of course they had to have the full garb, you know, with not only the mask, but the shield and the gloves. And so even they weren't able to, to give that human touch uh, uh, through all of the stuff that they had to wear as much as they loved their patients and they cared for them. And, and I remember as a pastor, that was some of the hardest time for me not to go to our people in the hospital and pray with them and, and not to show them the love of Christ. And I, and I saw how hard it was for them and, and just stories of people who went into the hospital and their family weren't able to be around them. And eventually the Lord took them home and they went home alone with no one around them to love them. And then even at the funeral, then the family themselves, they weren't able to gather in masses as they were used to with all their loved ones and people to come and to comfort them because maybe only a few people could come to the funeral, if at all. It was a very, it was a very, very difficult time. Now, imagine if you could being a leper. Now, um, if you really want a full picture of what it would have looked like to be a leper, I would encourage you this afternoon to read Leviticus 13 and 14. And you get a good picture of what God uh, sort of lays out as far as, you know, how a leper is to function in society and stuff. And many of the circumstances that we experience with COVID were common to those who had leprosy. The physical disease that eventually led to death, the isolation from from other people, it, it was all there. So imagine if you could just just picture this man that we read about this morning in Mark's Gospel. This poor man who was sick with this disease that that caused much suffering in his life and would eventually lead to his death. But as as difficult as that is, and I'm not trying to downplay that at all in any way, can you imagine how difficult it was to be isolated for years? Well, we went through with COVID in just a few months and how challenging that was. This man most likely endured for years and years and years, never feeling that human touch. You know, always shut out from the fellowship of God's people, excluded from the temple. Uh, he's uh, totally estranged from human society. Oh, sure, he could walk down the road, you know, but when he did, it was like a walking corpse. Because whenever people saw him, they would run the other way just to stay away from him. And, and whenever he did see someone, uh, just the law of God sort of required that, that he keep his hair a certain way, that he wear certain clothes, that he put his, his, his finger over his top lip. And he identified himself by his shame. Unclean! Unclean! And if that man 
and come into your house and just poked his head in your doorway, that would have been enough to make your entire house unclean. And so anything and anyone that he touched was made unclean. He was considered to be a physical and a spiritual contaminant. And so as, as we look at Mark's gospel this morning, I want us to consider, consider several things this morning. First of all, I want us to look at the request of the leper, the request of the leper, then the response of our Lord, the response of our Lord, then the reaction of the healed leper, and then I want us to look at the real lesson for us today that, that we ought to take away from this story. And so let's look at these four things together if we could this morning. First of all, the request of the leper in verse 40. And a leper came to him, that is to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Now, in Luke's gospel, um, by the way, Luke is in Luke chapter 5, if you're taking notes. In Luke's gospel, we see that Jesus was in the city when the leper came to him. In Matthew's Gospel, which is in Matthew 8, we actually read that, that Jesus had just come down from the mountains. And in Matthew 8, 1 and 2, we read, And great crowds followed him. And behold, the leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And so it appears that when this leper comes, he actually comes to Jesus in circumstances that we wouldn't expect. You know, you would expect this leper to catch Jesus out in the country all alone where there's nobody around, but that wasn't the case. He actually came into the city, and, and he comes with his finger on his lip, crying, unclean, unclean, and he sort of makes his way through the crowd. As a matter of fact, you could probably tell where he was at, because talking about social distancing, whoo, man, it's like the parting of the Red Sea, right? Everybody just moved back as this leper made his way forward, and, and the gospel writers say that he came before Jesus and he fell down on his knees, just face down before him, and he addresses him as Lord, and he says, if you are willing, if you will, you are able to make me clean. Now, I think it's interesting to note, and we'll come back to this a little bit later, that he doesn't say to Jesus, heal me, he says, make me clean. There's a difference there between the two. Now, notice the lepers, uh, as he comes to Jesus, he has just sort of this unshakable confidence in the power of Jesus to cleanse him. The, the man had no question about the ability of the Lord Jesus, but he does question his will. If you are willing, you are able. Now, why, why does he phrase it this way? Well, we don't know for certain. Maybe... One of the reasons is, is because uh, although Jesus had healed many people, and we see that in the earlier parts of chapter 1, where Jesus uh, had an extensive healing ministry already, uh, to this point in time, he had never healed a leper. As a matter of fact, if you look at the New Testament uh, all the way through, there's only two cases of Jesus healing a leper. And one is this situation. The other is when Jesus healed the ten lepers that we're so commonly familiar with. Now, most likely Jesus healed more lepers than just that, because when John the Baptist was in prison, remember he asked uh, his disciples, go and ask Jesus, are you the Messiah? And Jesus says, tell them what, you, what you've seen. And then Jesus lifts off a whole bunch of things. And one of the things he lit, lists is that he has healed lepers. And so most likely Jesus healed more than just the two, but that's what we have recorded. But also if you look at Matthew's gospel in Matthew chapter 8 that we read earlier, you see here something in Matthew's gospel you don't see in Mark's. That when, when the man comes to Jesus, he addresses him as Lord, recognizing that nothing happens apart from the will of Jesus. And so... This man's faith, as he comes to the Lord, is really a submissive faith. Uh, he's, he's like, Lord, I know that you have the power, but I don't mean to presume upon your will. But if you will, I know that you are able. And so that's his request. And then Jesus' response in verses 41 through 44. Let me read verse 41. Moved with pity... He, that is Jesus, stretched out his hand, and he touched him, 
and said to him, I will be clean. Now, Jesus has both an inward response and an outward response to, to this man. First of all, his inward response, he's moved with pity. That word pity is probably not the best word. It, it might be better to translate that compassion. He has compassion. And so when Jesus looks upon this mass of human misery, when, when Jesus looked upon this man afflicted with this living death, Jesus doesn't simply see another diseased person. It's not as if Jesus says to him, you know what, if you've seen one sick person, you've seen them all. That's not his attitude towards this man. When Jesus looked upon this man's disease-ridden body, the scriptures tell us that he had compassion. He, he, he said, as a matter of fact, the whole inner being of Jesus was moved towards this man. That's what compassion means. That the inward part of a man is moved towards that. And so Jesus didn't recoil in disgust, nor did Jesus move away from this man. No, but Jesus moved towards him with compassion. Now, I'm not trying to add to Scripture, okay, in any way. So, so please forgive me. I, I don't think I'm doing this. But if you think about this just for a moment, there were people who were eyewitnesses to this account. Okay, and they are the ones that either recorded this or in Mark's case, more likely he heard it from somebody else. But the eyewitnesses had to somehow see that Jesus had compassion. And so the point I want us to see is, is that compassion was external. It was visible. It was evident, whether it was on Jesus' face, whether it was in his eyes. It doesn't really matter. But I just want you to see that it was very evident that Jesus had compassion upon this man, which then led to his outward response to the leper. And that is that he reaches out his hand and he touches him and he speaks. Now, Luke's gospel tells us uh, that this man's leprosy was, he was full of leprosy. In other words, it, it was most likely in advanced stages. They say that in biblical days, leprosy usually ran its course in about nine years before someone died. And so you can just imagine this man coming, being fully leprous, you know, having most likely limbs, fingers missing, other limbs that are missing, you know, his skin just covered with the disease. And like I said, the crowd is definitely practicing social distancing at this point in time. And, uh, and, and this man is kneeling before Jesus and he says, if you will, you know, you are able. And Jesus says, I will. Okay. And Jesus reaches out and he touches the man. Now, you, you can almost imagine the crowd going, <gasps> you know, just gasping that, that Jesus would, would touch him. And Jesus touches him and he says I will be clean and Jesus speaks that authoritative creative word of the creator of the universe and and we read in verse 42 that the leper is immediately and completely healed and even more importantly he's made clean verse 42 and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean now what's interesting about this is Jesus didn't have to touch the man. All he had to do was speak. All he had to do was speak. But you see in that touch, the great love and the compassion of our Lord. He knows that that man has most likely not felt human touch in years. And so he touches him in a tangible way to show him the compassion that he has for him. And then after he makes the man clean, we read in verses 43 and 44, And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof of them. 
So Jesus tells the man to go and to show himself to the priest. If you read Leviticus 13 and 14, you'll see what he's talking about. Well, Jesus was commanding him to keep the law of God, to go and to show the priest. The priest would go through this process that would take a period of days to determine whether the man was clean or not. And if he had been healed and he no longer was leprous, then the priest would declare him clean. And so Jesus tells him to do that, but he also gives him this stern warning. Now, that word stern there really means the snorting of a horse, okay? Um, those of you kids, I know there's a number of you that like horses, and you may have heard a horse snort before. But it's sort of the picture of like a war horse that snorts fiercely and, you know, prances on the ground, you know, um, just to show his might and his power. And that's what Jesus does. He sort of moves from that, that, that scene of compassion to the sternness, as he said to the man, don't tell anybody else. Because Jesus knew what would happen. That if this man went and told everybody, then it would reduce his ministry to a healing ministry. When in fact, if you look at verse 38 and 39, actually Jesus came for the purpose of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so then you see the reaction of the healed leper in verse 45. But he, that is the healed leper, went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. It says here actually that he went out to proclaim as a herald. Kids, do you remember I said in the days of Robin Hood, you would have these people, a herald who would go out and say, Hear ye, hear ye. And they would have this great news, usually from the king or, or someone like, somebody very important. And that's the picture here that this man, he went out and said, hey guys, let me tell everybody what happened to me. Even though Jesus commanded him to do that. Now, why did you think the man did that? Well, we don't know for certain, but I'm guessing he did not mean Jesus any harm. He was so thankful for what the Lord had done. He did not desire in any way to impede Jesus' ministry. Uh, maybe he thought, you know, there's other leopards, there's other people that are sick, and they need to know that they can receive healing. You know, besides, what harm would it be for me to go and to tell other people about what Christ had done? Or, or it could be that he was just excited. When Jesus told him not to tell, every, to tell anyone, Jesus was really doing something very unnatural. Okay, it wasn't wrong, it wasn't sinful, I'm not saying that. But it was very unnatural, because, I mean, you think about it. Put yourself in the shoes of this leper, if you could, just for a moment. You're in advanced stages as a leper. You've been cut off from the worship of God, from God's people. You, you've not been around your family or your loved ones for maybe years. You, you're, you have that social stigma of having to, every time you see someone, yell out, unclean, unclean. Uh, you have had to live with the horrible Death. And now, as you look down at your arm, it's as soft as a baby's bottom. And as you look in the mirror, you know, it's no longer distorted and twisted and all that. It's now perfectly clean. You know, you, you can just imagine. I mean, the natural reaction of this guy would be like to jump up in the air and kick his heels and go tell everybody. And yet Jesus tells him... To do something very unnatural he says don't go and tell everyone but you see as the man does you see the results of his unwise zeal um, it brought about an impediment to the method by which jesus chose to reach people in that area it says uh, so he went out and he told uh, everyone and spread the news so that jesus could no longer openly enter town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every corner. You see, um, Jesus could no longer even openly go into a city. He had to stay out in the wilderness. Now, I think it's interesting that the Holy Spirit underscores how terrible is the fruit of this man's unwise zeal. And we're gonna talk about that in just a minute. But let me just make a few observations from the text so far before we get to the real lesson of the text. Just a couple things I want you to see. First of all, the leper is an example of an aggressive faith. Okay, he's an example of an aggressive faith. 
You know, he went to Jesus in the midst of a crowd in a city. He just sort of went against every social norm in that day to get to Jesus. Because he knew that Jesus was his only answer. And there was nothing that was going to stop him. So he had an aggressive faith. But he also had a humble faith as well. Uh, when he comes to Jesus, he doesn't demand and say, Jesus, heal me. I know you're able. He says, if you will. If you will. There's, there's a sense of, of him not being presumptuous. And so when you come to the Lord and you pray with great boldness and say, Lord, this is my petition. Oh, God, I know I don't have to wrestle goodness from you. You ooze goodness. You are the God who is good. You are the God who is just and gracious and merciful. And I can come as your child and I can pray that prayer. And I know that you are the God who will heal, hear me. But at the same time, Lord, I know that your will is good and perfect. And I want to do what you want. When we come to, to the Lord with that sense of humility, that's a good thing. Sometimes you hear some in the church who sort of preach a prosperity gospel and just sort of a name it and claim it type thing. It's almost like in doing that, you're somehow using God's word to get God into a headlock, right? And hold him down. And it's like if you claim the promises of God long enough, if you claim the promises of God loud enough, then he's going to eventually go, I tap out. Uncle, I give up. Okay, I'll give you what you want. That's not who our God is, brothers and sisters. That's not how he functions. Third of all, the leper is a sobering example of unwise zeal. You know, his zeal took him beyond the boundaries of the revealed will of God. Jesus had said, thus saith the Lord, I'm charging you not to tell anyone. And yet the man does. Uh, David Brown um, writes, and, and I'm not quoting him word for word, I'm actually sort of paraphrasing this because he's a writer of old and so the language is a little archaic. So I'm going to put in sort of a modern summation, okay? Uh, he, David Brown basically says, regarding this uh, account, he said, Our preferences, that is, what we think is right, must never be carried out in opposition to God's commanded will. It would seem to this healed leper more honoring to Christ to break or to ignore this strange command of Christ than to observe it. To the healed leper, it seemed to him to be simply obeying a resistless and holy impulse. In other words, it seemed to him to be the right thing to do um, for whatever reason. That's what the leper thought. But Brown goes on, he says, but it was not the man's place to judge and evaluate Christ's command, but simply to obey it. He should have brought every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In, in other words, God doesn't need our unwise zeal or enthusiasm in doing His work. Brothers and sisters, we need to hear that. The American church needs to hear that. I mean, how many times have you heard someone say, or maybe these words have even come out of your own mouth, you know, we need to reach this city for Jesus. We need to do this for God. We need to uh, establish this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have all these great things that we are going to do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Al Martin, a great Baptist preacher, I love Al Martin, he's a great preacher, uh, he states it this way. He said, unholy zeal or unholy enthusiasm which disobeys the words of Christ in order to promote the knowledge of Christ always ultimately undermines the work of Christ. Let me say that again. The unholy zeal which disobeys the word of Christ in order to promote the knowledge of Christ always ultimately undermines the work of Christ. And so, young person, if you're here today and you say, Oh, but I have to date this unsaved guy. Because if I do, I can witness to him. You know, I, I could advance the knowledge of Christ. You know, I, don't worry. I'll, I'll keep my feelings right in. I won't fall in love with him. You know, I just want to share Jesus with him. Right? It sounds so good. And yet it goes against the word of Christ. 
to do so, so ultimately it will undermine the work of Christ. Or, you know, it's not just young people. I mean, like I said, you, you hear this a lot in our day and time, even from ruling and teaching elders, even in our own denomination, it's been argued that we must reach the nations for Christ, which that's true, and that's, that's good. But the, as the argument goes, it says that as an indicator that we are being successful in reaching the nations, we have to have ethnically diverse churches because a gospel-centered church is one that is ethnically diverse. And if the church and if the church you attend is not ethnically diverse, it may be necessary to change your worship to include aspects that appeal to the ethnic diversity of the community where your church is located. Now, to some degree, that's not bad to think about. But unfortunately, I think what happens here in this argument is you see that the focus of worship appears to be a little more focused on the ones that you want to reach rather than the God that you worship and what He has prescribed in His worship. And so you see, in a zeal to spread the knowledge of Christ, we do so at the expense of the Word of Christ and we undermine the work of Christ. We can be very enthusiastic about the things of the Lord, but if we look to them in our own wisdom, and according to our own plans, we can unconsciously undermine the work of Christ. And so this leper is sort of a mixed man, just like many of us today, right? You know, he's an example of, of an aggressive and a submissive faith, but on the other hand, a sobering example of unholy, unwise zeal and enthusiasm. Now, I want us to just, with the remaining time, look at the, the real lesson that is, that is here in this text. You know, part of the message that comes to us in this passage does so from the nature of the disease of leprosy. Uh, leprosy is in a category that's different uh, from all the other diseases. And, and I say that partly because one way we talk about, most of the ways that we talk about diseases is to be healed, but leprosy, it's the idea of being cleansed or clean. But also, God gives more specific direction regarding leprosy than other diseases. He talks about how to detect it, what to do with the leper, how he is to be clean, uh, than any other kind of disease. As a matter of fact, the ritual for the restoration of a leper is as extensive as the ritual for the Day of Atonement. You remember the Day of Atonement, everything has to be clean. The priest has to take a bath and put on different special clothes and, and all the pieces have to be set apart and, and sanctified. And, and God is saying to us in, in, in this passage, you know, that leprosy is something different, is something special. The, the fact that there were many lepers in Israel, but only one was cleansed in the Old Testament in the days of the prophet, and he was a Gentile, that is Nahum, or, or the fact that the Bible reports all kinds of healings, but so few healings of leprosy, um, and because the idea that leprosy is, is really more of a sense of cleansing, the position of, of most students of the Word of God over the years has been to view leprosy as a picture of the tragic condition of sin, of what sin is like in, in, in our lives. It's, it's horribly infectious nature, the way it permeates the whole being of a person, how visibly ugly it is before the eyes of a holy God, and how leprosy was a condition in which, humanly speaking, there was no hope. It was a living death. Does that not sound like the sin that we wrestle with? And so you can just see how that would ap apply to us as, as we uh, look at this passage. A man who was cut off from the communion with God's people and the formal worship of God, who was forced to live alone, is a horrible picture of a sinner and his sin cut off from God, a stranger from the promises of God, cut off from his miserable condition. I don't know about you, but as I spend time with unbelievers and I see the life that they live and, and sort of the network they have and the priorities they have and all that, I am so thankful to be a believer. You know, I, I, so many of my unsafe friends don't have you. They don't have the church. 
They're alone. They're trying to figure it all out themselves. And I just began to look at the many blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. And they don't have it. And their life is miserable. They may be rich. They may be successful in terms of the world. But they don't have what Christ gives. And yet the wonder of our passage is, is that Jesus can meet a leper and he can cleanse him. If you are willing, you are able. And Jesus says, I am willing. Brothers and sisters, if, if this man had denied the presence of his leprosy, he would have never known the power of Jesus. It was when he was willing to come to Jesus and say, I am a leper. I, I have no hope. I'm conscious of my leprosy. I'm, I'm willing to bear all the, the stigma of identification with this horrible disease. And, and as a result of that, I come to you, Lord Jesus, seeking your mighty power to heal me. It's when he did that, that he received that cleansing from Jesus. And that's true of us in our sin as well. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. They that are healthy, they are they who are non-lepers have no need of a doctor. It's only when we're prepared to own our leprosy, only when we are prepared to discover the horrible reality of our spiritual leprosy. But you might say, how's that done? Well, as I said in the Old Testament, it gives a very detailed ritual of how to discover leprosy. And so it was as God gave his word, as God revealed, this is what a leper looks like. Well, likewise, it's the same thing with our sin. God has told us through his word, through his law, what sin is. And, and as we read that, as we listen to that, that we see the sin of our own heart. It's not by what we think is right or wrong or our view of God, but it's what the Lord has revealed to us. Paul says in Romans 7 verse 9, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. In other words, before I was exposed to what God tells me about my sin, I thought I was alive. I thought I was a good person. I thought I was just fine. But now as I'm confronted with God's holy law, not just hearing that law, but seeing that and understanding that, and knowing that, that I see myself from God's perspective. I see that I'm a leopard. I see that I'm diseased. That I have this horrible condition of sin. And it's, it's so bad. It's in my words. It's in my thoughts. It's in my actions. Against a just and a perfect God. And now I see my heart. And it is a rotting heart. A full of stinking spiritual leprosy. You realize that you're cut off from God. And you need his grace. Well, you know, it's interesting. It, if you remember, as we looked at the opening verses of Mark's gospel, we read that it is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the beginning of the good news of the Son of God. The good news. How do we see the good news in our passage? Well, let me just highlight a few things in, as we close. First of all, we see the good news in the large and tender heart of our Savior. We see his compassion. The disease that disgusted others, that, that turned them off and turned them away, caused the Lord Jesus to stretch out his hand and to touch the man. So Jesus was moved with pity and compassion for the man's condition and his suffering. What good news for us, is it not? I mean, we might think, oh, yes, the lost need to hear this. But brothers and sisters, the gospel is for the same saved as much as it is for the lost. And we need to hear this as we wrestle with our sin, as we see the condition of our heart. Now, maybe it's just me. I'm the old man in the church. Maybe not the oldest man, but close to it. You know, and so I've lived a lot, lot more years on this earth. And I think the older I get, the more I see my sin and the wickedness of my heart. And no matter how leprous your heart is in the presence of Almighty God, there is a compassionate, a tender-hearted Savior who today is moved to compassion 
And He looks down on you in all the undeniable evidence of your leprous nature and He's not disgusted. He doesn't turn away. He's not like the rabbis who were afraid of being defiled. And so we see the good news in Christ's compassion. But we also see the good news in Jesus' condescension and incarnation as the Savior of sinners. You see, Jesus stretches out His hand and He touches an unclean leper. Jesus comes in contact with uncleanness in order to remove that uncleanness. Jesus touched the leper and He said, Be clean! And the leprosy left. And as we think of our sin, we're reminded that Jesus was made as Paul says in Romans 8, 3, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. He came in contact with us that we, He might deliver us. Himself, He is the stainless, the spotless, the undefiled Lamb of God. And yet, He takes upon Himself the likeness of sinful flesh. And He becomes so identified with our sin on the cross that he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, thank God, brothers and sisters, for a Savior who touches sinners. He touches us in the incarnation and he touches us by taking our place upon the cross. But finally, we see the good news and the almighty power of our Savior. I, I entitled the sermon today, Be Clean, but Jesus' words in verse 41 are actually, I will be clean. Leprosy can't stand before an omnipotent Savior who simply says, I will it to be so, so be clean. Who among the, the modern faith healers can speak with the same authority that Jesus does? You know, it's interesting. Jesus, when, when He heals the man, He says, be clean, and guess what? Immediately! Mark likes that word. Immediately he was healed. You know, Jesus didn't say, you know, I want you to claim this healing promise. Claim it. Claim it. Remind yourself. When you look down and you see the spots still on your arm, by faith, believe, I've been healed. Even though you see the spots, say I've been healed. That's not what Jesus did. That's not the authority he has. His authority is he speaks and it happens. Just like he did at the creation of the world where He spoke and things came into existence. The authority of Jesus our King is not like that of many faith healers today. The one who spoke and the world came into being is the one who stands before this leper and heals him. He is the one who stands before us in our uncleanness and deals with our sin. We, we are sinners, uh, but we have an advantage over this leper. You know, when he came to Jesus, he said, if you're willing. But for us, as uh, spiritual lepers, we know that Jesus is willing to make us clean. Because John says in chapter 6, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Or as Matthew says in his gospel, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. As J.C. Ryle said, people are not lost because they're too bad to be saved, but because they are not, because they will not come to Christ that He may save them. You see, this leper found mercy. Saul of Tarsus, who was a spiritual leper, his hands were red with the blood of the early Christians. He was a murderer and a blasphemer, and yet he found mercy. You know, I, I love the words of that old hymn. Well, now it's a new hymn because they've redone the tune, but it's still the old hymn. As a matter of fact, if you take your Trinity Psalter hymnal and to turn to page 440, it's the hymn that I'm referring to. Come ye sinners, poor and wretched. And, and it gives such a wonderful message. You know, that the Almighty Savior comes to you in His Word and He says to you, you have, you have formed chains that have bound you over the years. You know, we have a mindset, a disposition, an attitude, a perspective that there is nothing short, of, that we are nothing short than being chained to this world. And we feel that sin, do we not? We, we feel that we are 
are bound to sin and flesh, to things. We are bound to the realm and senses and desires. And, and you might even look at your chains and you say, Oh God, they are too big for me to break. I cannot break them. And you know what? That's right. We cannot. But there is one who can snap that chain with just one word. And so we read from that great hymn, verse 1, Come ye sinners, poor and wretched, weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, joined with power. He is able. He is able. He is willing. Doubt no more. He is willing. Doubt no more. And Jesus says, I will. And our chains will fall off. But you say, oh, but Pastor Rick, the habits of sin in my life, the patterns of sin, the tremendous mountain of guilt and the memories of my sin, how can I overcome those? And I would say, I don't care about those things. I don't care about the, your state or, or the, your condition. The Scripture tells us that Jesus is mighty to save. And if you go to Jesus like that leper, if you go to Him admitting how stinking and rotten you really are, coming to Jesus with a clear sense of your desperation, where you, can, you realize you can go nowhere else, that there's a sense of hopelessness apart from Jesus Christ, and yet an excitability as you think about what Jesus could do in you, and an inability to do anything about your wretched condition, then He will cleanse you. No matter your struggle with sin this morning, do you believe that Jesus can make you clean? Do you believe that, that Jesus is powerful enough to mortify the sin that you have wrestled with for so long? Maybe you're a believer and you have wrestled with this sin that has seemed to conquer you. Do you believe that Jesus can take that? Do you believe that He is able and He is willing? So often we just want to say, Oh Lord, yes, just tell me what I need to do. Just tell me what I need to do. Let's, let's make it right. What you need to do is to realize that you can do nothing. You can only come to Him and cry out to Him and ask Him to do something. And He will take that sin. Let me just mention just one last thing in closing. If we're going to be used of God to take the gospel to other people, then we have to be like our Savior. And we have to be able to touch sinners where they are. Separation from the world doesn't mean that we have to be distant from sinners. It means getting close enough to make the care and the compassion of Jesus Christ known. That they might also come to see Jesus' mighty power at work in their lives. Brothers and sisters, is Jesus Christ precious to you? Is He precious to you? Only when Jesus is precious to you will you be able to be compassionate towards sinners. Is Jesus precious to you? If not, ought He not to be precious to you? 1 Peter 2.7 says, To those who believe, He that is Jesus is precious. And if He's not precious to you this morning, then I'm guessing you don't really understand that you are a leper that has been touched by the Almighty God. And I would encourage you this morning, don't rest until you see yourself for who you are. See yourself for the stinking, dirty, rotten sinner that you are. Because only then will you see how suited Jesus is for the likes of you to make you clean. Let's bow your heads this morning. Let's just take a moment and reflect upon the Word of God that we've heard preached here today.
Oh Jesus, as we come to you this morning, we pray that we might feel the desperation that that leper felt that day as he came to you. Lord, may we, as we look at our sin and, and, and see the, the wrestling that we have, oh God, may we beeline it to Jesus. Come to you, Lord Jesus. Bow before you. Call you, Lord, and ask you, O oh God, to deal with the sin of our hearts. Lord, that we might be set free to know you. And Lord, if we do know you, but we, we have been wrestling with our sins all these years, just seeking, Lord, to try to do better, to try to, God, somehow... Uh, overcome these things to, to, or, or maybe God we don't see ourselves that bad maybe we're coming this morning and, and our problem is we're just trying to be a little bit better we, we, we don't really see the disease of our spiritual leprosy we don't see the wickedness of our hearts if that's the case then open our eyes oh Lord that we might see and behold the stench of our soul that we might come to you Lord Jesus for healing and cleansing Oh, Lord, we pray that you would work in our hearts, Lord Jesus, to set us free. That we might know the joy of your salvation. Lord, that we might be compelled, like this man, to go and to tell others about you, Lord Jesus. That many would come to faith in you. Oh, we thank you, oh God, and pray these things in your name. Amen.